What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, the college season has come to an end. Congratulations to Wallace Tiffany, the Virginia Cavaliers. Y'all are national champions again for the second straight time in a row. First time since Duke in 2013-14 to do that. Cavaliers stay on top of college lacrosse. And they survive what was a season unlike any other. And you know they did so, you know, with a with a championship weekend performance that was phenomenal, and you know, encapsulated with a game for the ages. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, don't want to go too deep into this, but if, if you're looking at you know, title games, I mean, you know, certainly within the last decade, I think this game is a is a top three, top five kind of game. Um, you know, all time, I think you could put it top ten, right? Um, you know, I always have, <clears throat> excuse me, 1989, uh, Hopkins, Syracuse, and then 2009, Cornell, um, Syracuse, and then 16, 2016, UNC, Maryland, um, those are always the top three, just immediately for me. Um, and, you know, I, I think you got to put this game in, into, you know, maybe not all time top five, but certainly over the past decade, uh, past 10 or so years, since that 2009 uh, game that I mentioned, probably this is a top five game. Um, it was phenomenal. I mean, we had, you know, the the various runs that you had here, the kind of dueling styles of these teams, if you will. Um, it was just a very, very fun game. And it started, you know, pretty slow. Um, whereas I, I want to say it took, you know, eight minutes or so. Um to finally, you know, get some scoring going um, for for either side. Um, and, and it did take a while. It was very defensive heavy. You saw the goaltenders really shine, I thought, a bit early on. Um, overall, within the game, I don't think the goalie play was outstanding. Outstanding, if you know well, it wasn't, certainly wasn't bad, but... Um, and obviously you had the, um, you know, phenomenal Alex Rhodes save, um, there at the end, heck of an effort, but, um, overall, I didn't think the goalie player was, you know, it wasn't anything to, certainly was good, but was not like elite, I would say, not what we're used to seeing out of those two guys. Um, but before we get into that kind of stuff, just... You know, again, I want to break down this game a bit, and then we'll talk a little bit about each team here within this context. So, you know, mentioned starts kind of slow. <clears throat> it took till the eight fifteen mark. Um, 
when Daniel Maltz uh, put in that uh, Kyle Long pass and you know gets gets the first goal of the game. On the ensuing faceoff, P.D. Lasala, you know, kicks it to Matt Moore, um, and, and he puts in the first for UVA. It's a tie ball game. Goes back and forth. You know, Long and Lasala score. Um, Long had the goal with 7:37, and then Lasala on the ensuing faceoff again at about 7:29 mark, I believe, puts in that one. Um, and so, so it's a back and forth game and really, you know, the, 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 what won this game for Virginia was the, was the two big runs, you know, after Logan Wisnowskis had made it two to a uh, four to two. So you have Maryland is, is up by two and, you know, it, it really, it, because from that first goal with with Daniel Maltz, um, from Maltz's first goal of the game, it was just a back and forth battle offensively. And and, and you know Kaufman and Wasnowskis, that was the first um, you know back to back goal sequence we saw uh, the five twenty three mark and three twenty three mark in the first. You know before that it was you know back and forth both sides. And then, you know, after that was Nowska's goal, Virginia just exploded. And they they kind of broke things open. You had Jeff Connor, Connor Schellenberger got his first of what would be five on the day. Um absolute dominance from him. Matt Moore as well um for Virginia. And the Cavaliers after that was Nowska's goal. You've got, and I mentioned Connor and Schellenberger kind of got this thing going. Um, and then you see Cormier uh, w- w- with that inside finish, I believe it was, there to start the second quarter. And Virginia, they went on a, well, what is this? One, two, three, four. On a six goal run from 205 in the first through the 833 mark um, of the second. Now, it didn't take long. After Jeff Connor put the, um, and, and by the way, you know, most of those goals were unassisted uh, for the Cavaliers. Only two of those six goals were assisted, and that was Moore to Schellenberger and then Aiken to Cormier. Um, everything else was unassisted. Um, and, and in fact, that streak ended on three unassisted goals. You had an unassisted, you know, Jared Connors. Um, you know, bats that pass down and takes it upfield. Um, and you know, I, I can't remember who it was, but like he, you know, he's kind of looking at him. And, and I'm not exactly sure. I'm, I haven't gone back and watched the game yet. I'm going to do that actually tonight. Um, you know, he's kind of looking at at his uh, at his teammate over here and, and just kind of you know, you know, I, the 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 Maryland defense, from what I remember, just kind of is is looking like, oh, he's going to pass. We all know Jared Connors is not going to pass the ball, and he he just puts it right in the back of the cage. Um, so you had Connors, Schellenberger, and then Jeff Connor, um, who had an unbelievable game as well. I think he had a hat trick in this one. Um, going to be a very good player for Virginia. I think next season, be very very excited. Uh, Virginia fans should be about him. 
So those last three goals were unassisted. And then Maryland, you know, just almost, it, what, it, what, 10 seconds after Connor put in that goal to make it an 8-4 to four Virginia lead, um, you see Maryland uh, just kind of go off. And, and this was really the only time, you know, Jared Bernhardt, they had Sawstad on him for most of the first, I believe. And then they switched Kastner on him uh, sometime in the, in the third. And I thought both those guys did a pretty good job. Uh, Sawstad did allow, I uh, believe, certainly these first two goals while he was on him. Um, where, you know, following that Virginia run, you have two straight from Bernhardt, and then Griffin Brown, Griffin Brown gets one um, to go, and that makes it an 8-7 to seven game. And, you know, Cormier got one to make it 9-7 to seven at half, um, which was like in the dying seconds of the half of the second quarter. Um, but really, it felt like coming into that half, I, I, I thought, you know, coming into halftime after seeing those two Bernhardt goals um, and then that Brown one added on at the end there, you know, and, and it wasn't a, a big run like stretched over a period of time. It was like a three-minute run, uh, three goals in, uh, you know, exactly three minutes. Um, you know, 8.23 mark, Bernhardt gets that first, 5.23 mark, Brown gets the final one of that run um, for Maryland. And then there's a long kind of, um, you know, nearly five-minute, you know, intermission there, if you will, or just defensive play. Um, But, you know, Maryland really picked up the pace, I thought, in in late in the second. And, you know, after that, and I thought that was, you know, because Bernhardt did a lot in the first, but he didn't get a ton in the second. and Again, Sawstad, Kastner, you know, shout out to those two guys. You know, nobody has been able to shut down Bernhardt, and certainly Virginia did not shut him down um, by any means. But, you know, they really limited him probably more than any team, you know, we've seen this year. I mean, he's had his, certainly has had, um, you know, his share of, you know, rough patches or whatever you want to call it. But he's still just easily getting five goals a game. And uh, I believe he ended with five points. Um, I think it was th- uh, two goals, three assists. And like I said, those two goals came back-to-back. He wasn't necessarily a threat as a scorer or a dodger um, for most of this game. And, and in fact, you know, outside of that little portion of the second quarter where he did get those two didn't really do that much for Maryland, or, or at least wasn't the Jared Bernhardt um, that we expected, that we've seen week to week. So, you know, nine to seven and a half, and then really where things kind of turn is, you know, you have Logosnowskis, Roman Puglisi, and then Wisnowskis again get those three straight early midway in the third. Wisnowskis, that was his, what, fourth of the day? Because he ended with five, yeah. So that was his fourth. Um, 
that ties things up at 11 to 11. And Virginia, you know, that I mentioned two Virginia runs really defined this game. And following that was Nowski's goal. You had Peter Garno get that goal uh, off the Matt Moore assist. And then again, you had three straight unassisted goals. Schellenberger, Moore, Schellenberger. And then Connor, two more at about the 11-minute mark to put Virginia up 16-11. to 11. And to be honest with you, at that point when Matt Moore scores that goal and, you know, uh, runs over to the bench and, and, and they're all celebrating and you get that camera shot there. At that point, I said to myself, Virginia is winning this game. And, you know, I said that, and then there was a minute there where, okay, Maryland is back in this. Because Maryland answered exactly the way you would expect this team to. They go and they make it a one-goal game with 3.57 left. You get Wisnowskis, Maltz, Fairman, and DeMeo all with goals. Uh, Wisnowskis with that absolute liquid smoke paints this corner um, to start that run. And that really was the energy goal there for um, for Maryland. And, you know, DeMeo makes it a one-goal game. However, on that ensuing faceoff, Cade Sostad gets that ground ball, which, you know, to some, a lot of people I've talked to have said, like, that is the game-winning play right there from Cade Sostad. He gets the ground ball. He takes it up, dishes it to Matt Moore, uh, who's you know down there, you know, kind of on. Real, I have to picture it in my head right now, but you no, know, he's down there, kind of on the elbow, by himself, you know, on the doorstep, if you will, um, puts it in, and you know that play with Sostad from Sostad getting that ground ball. And he had to hustle to get that ball, by the way. Taking it upfield and dishing it off. Uh, you know, it was far, far side pipe. puts in, And for his teammate, Matt Moore, to put it in and put Virginia up 17 to 15. Not, on, not even a minute, just a couple seconds after, or not a couple, but. 10 whatever seconds it was after Anthony DeMeo you know, gives Maryland the juice goal of the game and Tope Nation is going crazy on the, in the stands on the sidelines that is the like, ended up being the game winning goal obviously but that, that's gotta be outside of Alex Rhodes outside of Alex Rhodes save that's got to be the play of the game. Now, to get to Alex Rhodes' save, we got to talk about what DeMeo did again here. Um, 11 seconds left. Boom. Kyle Long finds Anthony DeMeo. Kind of, you know, feet set 
um, if I remember correctly, just puts it in and uh, puts it past Alex Road and uh, makes it a 17 to 11 game. Oh, excuse me, 17 to 16 game. And, um, you know, get, I believe there was a timeout, get the timeout. And on that ensuing faceoff, you know, and, 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 you know, I literally have written my notes here. Give a shout out to Wildman. Um, Luke Wildman gets, you know, Luke Wildman wins the draw, gets the ground ball, takes it, and, and this was not a very good defensive play um, by Virginia. You have Bernhardt on the wing on the faceoff, right? So, I'm assuming they were going to try to get it to Bernhardt, and they didn't. And, um, but that didn't matter. Luke Waterman got it, you know, takes it right down the middle. Really, not, not completely uncontested, but the Virginia defense kind of let him right in there. And I think part of it was they were so focused on don't let Bernhardt get the ball. Kind of were a little lackadaisical when when you know things changed and it's Wildman coming up the field and you know he get he gets that shot Alex Road with the you know one of the best saves of the tournament certainly Schaefer and Road I think pick you know pick pick whichever one you want top two saves of the tournament top two of the top plays of the tournament. Um, just unbelievable effort from Wildman as well from Road on this play. And, uh, you know, ball rebounds, believe. Kastner gets it and kind of chucks it downfield, uh, believe uh, what it was there. And we see Virginia rush the field as national champions. So kind of broken down the game a bit, kind of went over it. What was it with Virginia? I mentioned Sostad. I mentioned Kastner. I thought they played unbelievably well defensively um, against Bernhardt. You know, I mentioned, you know, I did think there were some times, honest, obviously, where Virginia's defense wasn't up to par and looked kind of how they have at times this season a bit earlier in the year. But for the most part, it was a pretty dang good game for the Virginia defense. When you look offensively, and certainly Peter Lasala had a had a big part in this. Even you know, Wildman gave him all he could, and props to him. Hats off to him. Unbelievable game from from Wildman. Uh, but Lasala, you know, did his thing and kind of showed up when needed. Um, Wildman did. You know, when part of that run there, I uh, believe it was in the second quarter, kind of to get Maryland back into the game there, was Wildman winning those faceoffs um, for Maryland. Uh, so did have a, have a strong couple of periods there um, against Lasala. But, you know, back to Virginia here, I, I think when, when you look at the way they won this game, Certainly, Connor Schellenberger, 
and Matt Moore did did their thing. I mean, they were unbelievable. Schellenberger with four goals and two assists. Moore with that same stat line. Uh, combined for 12 points. Just absolutely unbelievable game from both of those guys. Jeff Connor, I mentioned, three goals, one assist. You know, I thought Virginia really did a good job at getting a step on the Maryland defense. And, and we saw Grill... Um, you know, on Schellenberger for most of the game. And Schellenberger, you know, he, he's so he's such a versatile player, right? Um, plays midfield, plays attack, he can do what he wants, right? And I believe those two or three goals that he had from X, from behind the cage, and he got physical with Grill. Uh, and, and, and I thought he, he he played that matchup perfectly. Um, I thought Virginia really played all their matchups perfectly. Um, offensively, they were able to get open, able to get set shots. And look, it's clear. Maryland in the 6-on-6, six six, especially early on in this game, was the better team, and we knew that coming in. We knew that. Maryland is a 6-on-6 six six type team. And Virginia, you know, to their credit, played to that, and they got out and, and they ran. Um, you, you talk about you know Ian Laviano forcing that, um, forcing that um, turnover, and was it the first quarter, and on the ride and you know getting back, and I can't remember who who got the goal off that, but. Um, no, did have that uh, that there. Kind of fun when that play was. Might have been in the second, um, if I believe. So. I think, yeah, I think it was in the second. Might have been that. Was it that Schellenberger goal in the to in the first? It, it was in the first half. I know that when Laviano forced that. Um, Unbelievable effort on on the ride there, and um, no, so Virginia really did get out in the middle of the field and kind of they they did play well there. And and to Maryland's credit, you know they matched Virginia in the middle of the field in between the boxes as best as they could. Um, w- when you look at you know the clearing and and, and whatnot. You know, Maryland did have a couple. Okay, it was in the first quarter then. There was that last one in the first, I believe. Uh, the Laviano had that cause turnover. Um, Maryland, you know, in the first quarter, five for seven in clearing. Um, you know, I thought in, in the third, you know, w- when you look at. Maryland and the ride, they were pretty successful in the third. And we saw Virginia against Carolina not not clear the ball very well. Um, you know, so that did help Maryland a bit get back into the game, especially after that big Virginia run. Um, but overall, I, I thought it was pretty even play in between the boxes. Um, you know, Maryland, you know, won the ground ball battle 41-37. Um, 
And then when you look at, you know, just shots, Maryland outshot Virginia 49 to 39. Um, so 10 point difference there. Each get 21, 28 shots on goal. Road had 12 saves, 12 saves. McEnany had 11. You know, you look at the stats of this one, and it's 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 a pretty even battle. And like I mentioned, I thought it was pretty even in the middle of the field for the most part. Virginia did have an edge, especially early on. And in their transition offense, they were able to get some things going. Um, and really for me, I think that's what pushed them over the edge in this game. We saw a lot of transition kind of in that big run there at the end of the game um, to get up 16 to 11. Uh, so Virginia just, they, they, they played their game. They, they played their game um, and, and, and they beat a phenomenal Maryland team. Now, when looking at that Maryland team, um, Wisnowskis obviously is the guy that they went to. Um, he ended the game with five goals and one assist. Bernhardt, as I mentioned, you know, played a decent game, five points, two goals, three assists. But from a dodging standpoint and from a sheer uh, goal-scoring standpoint, it was not what we've come to expect from Bernhardt. Um, so, you know, they did rely on Wisnowskis. They did rely on DeMeo. They did rely on Moltz. And, you know, late, I think it was the second half, um, they put uh, Malover, Eric Malover, the freshman out of uh, Atlanta, they put him at X instead of Moltz. And, you know, I think that was, I think that was indicative of Maryland trying to get something going, because while Virginia was able to get the you know set shots, was able to get in transition and do some things there, Maryland really struggled um, in some of those areas. They didn't do too well um, in terms of you know. This is a, a, a an offense where ball movement is key. And you did have that. And when they did do that, they were phenomenal. But they had long stretches where they weren't able to get that going. The Virginia defense did a great job of kind of limiting them. And, you know, Maryland, outside of Bernhardt, um, they don't have or didn't utilize, you know, whatever. They didn't have a ton of Dodgers on this team that really went one-on-one, whether it be at the midfield, at attack, you know, they don't have those kind of guys that can go one-on-one with you every single possession. Bernhardt can do it, but when you look at a lot of these shots that they took, a lot of these goals they took, yes, they're assisted, they're assisted, but, and they did have that Puglisi um, you know, transition goal, but outside of that, in terms, you know, transition obviously didn't have too much, and then ball movement wise, um, outside of that big run there in the fourth, I don't remember seeing them zing the ball around like we've seen them do on a consistent basis for the majority of this game. Um, so, so that kind of really hindered 
Maryland there's they weren't able to get into what I would call their game. And then, you know, when when you look at their when you look at their defense, you know, obviously, you know, mentioned um excuse me. Mentioned um Grill and then Ray Hill, I, I thought, you know, had some flashes and whatnot, but, you know, Maryland overall just, you know, the, it, it was a different Maryland team, I thought, from what we saw on, from what we saw against Notre Dame. You know, they, they, they didn't get into the groove, it felt like, um, for the most part in this game, um, except for, you know, various times and, you know, really, I just, I just thought that Virginia, and again, mentioning the transition and winning in the middle of the field, I thought kind of put them over the edge and uh, gave them the win in this game. And, you know, hats off to both teams for a heck of an effort. It was, uh, you know, again, one of the best championship games in a while and a, uh, you know, great way to finish what was a fantastic season. Now, moving on from the game, um, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, kind of along the lines of an article that I wrote today. It's going to be on the site here June 1st. Um, concerning Virginia and kind of what's next for this team. Um they have two titles in five years. They beat Maryland in the quarterfinals to get there in 2019. Oh, excuse me, to get to championship weekend in 2019. Then defeated Duke. Oh, excuse me, yeah, defeated Duke. So, beat the two teams of the 2010s. Maryland and Duke, the top two teams of the 2010s. And then they beat Yale, the defending champions, in that 2019 title game. This year, they beat Georgetown. Molly whopped them in the quarters. Um, Obviously, they had that long, long break um, in between the end of the regular season and the start of the uh, tournament with no ACC tournament this year. Um, struggled against Bryant a bit. Um, which, hey, I thought that, I thought, you know, that that could have been an upset. It almost was. It almost was. They molly Georgetown. Very good Georgetown team. And then beat Carolina the way they did having to have that defensive stand at the end. And then they beat Maryland again with what I thought was an unbelievable uh, defensive performance. And and obviously you had uh, two talented players on offense just, you know, know, firing at Will and and Schellenberger and Moore and just playing unbelievable, um, you know, amongst these other guys here. Uh, short stick defensive midfield, I, I thought, was and has been the most improved unit 
uh, with guys like Salade this year. So, you know, what is, what's next for this Virginia team? They've, oh, program, I should say. They've been to the top twice under Wallace Tiffany in just five years. Next year's 2022. Could they become the first team since 1990? Uh, I think it was, what, 96, 97, 98? If all those years correct, uh, were Princeton three-peated? And that's the last team to three-peat. Could they do that? Is Virginia going to be the team of the decade, the team of the 2020s, per se? Possible. It's possible. Certainly is. Looking just at, you know, next year, you get Sean Wigger back. You get Matt Moore back for the fifth season. Peyton Cormier's back. Sawstad's back. Um, Bowers back. Kastner's back. We're telling you the whole starting defense, essentially, as well as some other guys like Matusi, uh, Matusai, um, excuse me, and then you get that pretty good SSDM crop uh, with Grayson Slade heading that unit, um, PD Sala at the faceoff dot. And, like, that's not even to mention guys like Jeff Connor um, that are going to be back as well. Um, and honestly, like, the only two losses really, you obviously you lose Botron, um, you lose Connors, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with some of these other fifth, uh, with the, some of these other seniors. Are they going to, you know, follow more and come back or not? That's still to be determined. But even if they lose everybody, even if they lose every senior outside of more, this is still a pretty dang good team and a, a team that could be there on Memorial Day weekend next next year. Now, uh, when you look at the depth on this roster. Um, I mentioned, you know, Connor, who stepped up and had a big game. Um, you know, Xander Dixon, what's he going to do next year? Um, you know, thought he had a good regular season, especially at the end. Didn't show up a ton in the tournament. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that I think could suddenly take a step forward. And then, you know, outside of, of, of the depth already on this roster, you know, they've got the number seven class in the country, put inside lacrosse. Um, you got Griffin Schultz, uh, Griffin Schutz coming in, attackman out of Deerfield, uh, number three player in the country. Matthew, uh, he's a top 10 guy, I believe. Uh, Matthew Noons, goalie out of the Woodlands, Texas, is the number three player in the country. And that's just two of the guys in this class um, that are really, really good. So this is going to be a talented team. Now, whether those freshmen, uh, you know, how much they contribute next year or not, you know, is obviously yet to be seen. Uh, but this is going to be a good team for the next few years. Um, and, you know, even when you look at the guys that will be here in 2023, uh, which are these 2022 two, uh, recruits, Joey Terenzi, Truett Sutherland, uh, Mac Eldridge at the face-off dot. I mean, th- they are continually getting um, 
continually getting you know, top tier players, and they've been doing this for, for years, and it's just been sustained under Lars Tiffany. Um, you know, it is clear that you know the culture changes that Tiffany and his staff made upon the arrival during the summer of 2016. You know, haven't only just worked on field um, and, and and helped you know build two national title runs, but you know it, it, it is certainly appealing to the high school players, and uh, you know they have kept up that top tier recruiting pitch um, that we are used to seeing from Virginia. Um, and like again, yes, they're an ACC team, they're a blue blood, they're always going to have talent. Um, but the fact that you won back-to-back national titles, that's not easy to do, and it's not easy to do in a season like this, uh, which started, you know, very, you know, uh, what's the word, restrictively, or, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, you know, obviously things are pretty much 100% back to normal in most places now, but, um, you know, this was a taxing season for these guys, and, you know, to have a team go that far. And, you know, for all the teams that made championship weekend, I mean, th- that's a heck of an a heck of an achievement this season. Um, so, you know, is Lars Tiffany going to make Virginia the 2020s um, in, 20, in the 2020s, you know, to be what Princeton was under Bill Tierney in the 90s and early 2000s? You know, that's you know, up, up, you know, only time will tell that. But um, five seasons, they got two titles. Under Tiffany, recruiting has been sustained at the top level. Um, you know, talent acquisition. And uh, another thing I, I didn't mention, like, Look at how many guys are playing as young guys and contributing to this team. And I mentioned the depth on the roster. That's just, I mean, that is indicative of the amount of talent that they're not missing on a lot of guys. You know, and of course, yes, Connor Schellenberger is an easy guy to not miss on, right? Uh, but when you look at a guy like Kenny Bauer um, or Cole Kastner, two young defensemen who have really shined. Um, and they will be on the roster in 2023 as well, as Schoenberger and uh, Cormier, I believe, will be there as well. Um, so, you know, this is a, a, a program that's built to be sustained. Um, how much more, how many titles, how many more titles will they win under Lars Tiffany? I couldn't tell you that. I assume they're going to win at least one more. At least one. Is that in 2023? Is it in 2024? 2025? I don't know. But I do think they're going to win another title under Tiffany. And you know, to be honest with y'all, like this could, and I mentioned the Princeton teams, and you look at the Syracuses of the 2000s. I mean, those were dynasties. Is Virginia a, a dynasty in, in, in the making? I mean, there's certainly something to something to ponder, right? Certainly something to ponder. Again, we can't know definitively until it happens, but uh, certainly this is a program built 
uh, to sustain success um, in all facets. So will definitely be fun to watch the Cavaliers as they progress over the next few seasons. Now, I wanted to end this podcast with the question of, and you know, I just kind of mentioned it a bit with Virginia. Um, he talking about 2022, but who who is the contenders in 2022? Um, certainly, I mentioned Virginia. So already know they're going to be a contender. I would assume they are number one at the beginning of the year. Um, I assume Maryland is probably somewhere in the number two, number three range. Um, but you know both those teams are going to be pretty dang good. Um, you know, Duke is going to be good again. You got Nakai Montgomery and some guys coming back there. You know, th- th- I, th- I think twenty twenty two. Uh, well, I, I just mentioned and went over all that Virginia brings back um, and, you know, kind of the possibility of a three-peat. Um, no, it hasn't happened in a while. Um, and, and to be honest, like this year, 2022, looks to be pretty wide open, at least from where we sit right now. Um, we'll see how things change with the transfer portal and all of that. But, um, you know, it, it looks to be pretty wide open. I mean, Virginia... Uh, mention them. Maryland, mention them. Uh, Carolina, you know, what are they going to do in 2022? Uh, Notre Dame, uh, they've just got a bunch of grad transfers again coming in uh, this season. So um, coming in in the fall um, on, on on both sides of the ball again. Um, so, and they got a very, very good uh, recruiting class coming in um, this year as well. Some studs. So, no, they are, you know, kind of a threat. Um, and, and then I think you look at, you know, maybe a little stretch for some people, but look how Johns Hopkins ended the year. Um, Peter Millman going into his second year there. You know, I'm not saying they're going to, you know, full-blown championship weekend run, but, I mean, they got talent there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, you know, um, that there's, there's a plethora of teams that I think you could put in that boat. Um, Loyola, how they ended the season, the guys they bring back, um, it's certainly going to be a wide open season. And then, you know, at least we forget the Ivy League and, you know, who in the world knows what those rosters are going to look like. Um, but Yale, Cornell, I think, will be a threat, um, as usual. Um, so, you know, we, you know, it, it, it's, it's pretty open. I, I don't think there's a clear front runner right now in 2022. Uh, but, you know, certainly Virginia, Maryland are going to be, uh, you know, pretty good teams. Carolina is, is going to be a pretty good team. You know, Georgetown, with some of the young talent they showed um, in the tournament, what do they do? Um, You know, Syracuse, I I don't know. I mean, again, it's very wide open. Very, very wide open for 2022. A lot of great teams that showed a lot this year. They're going to return a lot. Next year, so fun year, look at us. 
2021, we're closing the door on you. It was a heck of a season. We started in January. Ended in you know, May, as usual. We had a season when all the few modules said that we couldn't. Just like they did with football and basketball. We had a season. It was successful. We clowned a champion. And it was the Virginia Cavaliers. Again, congrats to the boys in Charlottesville. As always, this has been the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. You can follow us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Tanner underscore Dimling is my personal on Twitter. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. Have a great rest of the week. And uh, I don't know when we'll be back uh, on the mic. Um, kind of going through the off-season. Um, I hate I hate the off-season. Going over the off-season schedule, um, Hugh. So uh, we'll be back sometime. May take a week or two off. Uh, but uh, we'll definitely be back. Uh, certainly when we have some big news. Uh, the transfer portal is heating up. Um, assuming we will have some sort of coaching carousel. Um, so we are, and obviously PLL is starting this weekend as well. So it's going to be an exciting summer of lacrosse.